Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 josh pick is the chief investment advisor with aptus wealth management a state registered investment advisory firm this program is sponsored by aptus wealth management exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle this information should not be considered tax or legal advice individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation past performance is not a guarantee of future results Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you're having a great weekend. want to let you know you can always hear Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley. They do Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always listen on your own time to the podcast, and you can find that at aptuswealth.com. Josh, how's your weekend going? It was uh, going very well. I'm good. I'm good. We wanted to talk about some items that should be on everyone's financial to-do list for 2021. Let's kind of go over that. You know, I'm definitely not a um, a New Year's resolution kind of person, but I do love the new year. I think it's a time to turn over a new leaf, kind of revisit some things, a, a new beginning, right? And I think when you look at your financial life, it's a great time to do just that. Revisit everything, um, kind of reevaluate all of your priorities, see what your goals are going to be for the rest of the year, uh, and kind of get everything laid out, let the, get every, all the groundwork laid out appropriately so that you're, you're prepared for the beginning of the year here or the rest of the year. And one of those things that you should do uh, is adjust your taxes potentially. Um, I oftentimes hear, you know, I, I, I get these big tax refunds. It's great. Well, tax refunds are a good thing uh, in that you get money back, but ultimately you've loaned that money to the government for the entire year. So, as you look into this year, if you've uh, got a big tax return last year and you forgot to adjust your withholdings, you have two choices. You can obviously just continue to overpay your taxes on a monthly basis and get that nice refund at the end of the year. Or you can, let's say you got $2,400 as a tax refund last year, you could adjust your withholdings by approximately $200 a month. And then that would just increase your paycheck by $200 a month and you wouldn't get that big refund at the end of the year. Depends on how you want to do it, how you want to live your life. Uh, completely up to you, but now's a great time to do it. And people think um, of that as a forced savings plan. as well. Yeah, you know, and, and in the past, it was a really bad idea. And, and what I mean by bad idea is you could have taken that money, saved it by yourself, and made a really good interest rate at the bank uh, for that savings account, whether you use it for a vacation, et cetera. Now interest rates are so low, it's really just a matter of do you want to get that money in your paycheck every month or do you want to get the, the – uh, the, as you call it, forced savings uh, refund at the end of the year. And oftentimes what I hear is I use that forced savings to pay off my credit card. Well, maybe you wouldn't have to put it on your credit card and pay the interest along the way if you had that money every month. So you kind of do an evaluation of your own life and decide how you want to use um, that extra tax savings. But now's a great time to do it. Um, your retirement plan. Another, again, beginning of the year, 
do you want to ratchet up your savings by, let's say, 1% or 2% uh, increase in contribution amount to your 401k? Great time to do it. Maybe you got to raise uh, at the beginning of the year or at the end of last year. Go ahead and ratchet that up just a little bit. Obviously, enjoy some of your, your, uh, your bonus and or increase in paycheck, but at the same time, maybe increase your savings. And note that this year we do get a little bit of a change, and that is that uh, your 401k goes up to 19.5 plus. If you're over the age of 50, you can put in an additional 6,500 in. So if you're in a position where you can save $26,000 a year and you're over the age of 50, you can do that exclusively in a pre-tax or Roth contributory uh, option through your 401k. Uh, and this is a real big one, I think, the next one. Let's reevaluate our or rebalance our portfolio. You know, last year was a crazy year in the market, but it ultimately ended up being a great year depending upon where you were invested. And to kind of show you how crazy of a year it was, Diane, last year started off pretty good. But then February, March hit, and uh, COVID reared its ugly head. Well, when COVID showed up, uh, the market took a screaming plunge. Uh, you lost about a third of your money if you were invested in the S&P 500, uh, seemingly overnight. It was in a period of about a month. Then it rebounds back, but you're relatively flat all the way through November 1st. You're only up 1% in the S&P 500 through November 1st, roughly. Then we finished the year out up 18%. What's crazy about that 18% is if you take out six stocks, just six, they're the FANG stocks. So that if you don't know what that is, Diane, it's uh, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, uh, Netflix, Google, and then slap on Microsoft as well. If you didn't have those six stocks, you did roughly four. So 14 of the 18% was only in six stocks. This happened back in uh, the early 2000s during the dot-com bubble, interestingly, with Facebook again. Facebook was really the, the leading the charge before the dot-com bubble hit. But then when the bubble burst, it took Microsoft approximately 15 years to get back to even. So I tell you all of that because as we're entering into this new year, it's probably a good time to rebalance. If you owned those five, six stocks, and now they've exploded. You know, Some of them have gotten 50, 60, 80% rates of return in the last 12 months. You're probably a little overweighted in those, uh, those positions. So let's rebalance, bring your portfolio back to where it needs to be for your goals and objectives. But first of the year is always a great time to look at that, bring anything back to reality, get your 401k back on track, get your savings back on track, push towards that emergency fund, uh, you know, saving for retirement, get your taxes in order, kind of get everything back on track. And you do that with all your clients at the beginning of the year and not just the beginning yeah, I mean, of the year, but the several year times well. throughout the year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, people's priorities change, their lives change, their goals change, uh, and you need to rebalance things in your financial picture accordingly. Similarly to if you were, uh, you know, working out at the gym and you hurt your ankle, well, I don't think running is going to be in your future, but that doesn't mean you give up the gym. You got to come up with uh, other options for you. Well, similarly, when you're talking about your, your retirement picture, things happen, right? Uh, your financial pictures, things just happen. Maybe you were displaced from work. Well, what now? Well, that might cause an adjustment in the plan. So we do it all the time. But again, January is just a great time. You know, new year, new opportunity. Let's, let's address it now. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, give Aptus a call at 614-364-7300. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. 
zero, zero. Josh, speaking about, you know, the to-do list for the start of the year, what are some things to keep in mind for those who have retirement uh, on their list for this year that, that are getting ready to retire this year? Well, first things first, certainly do the math before you pull the trigger on retirement. I hear this one a lot, and, and people seem to sometimes arbitrarily pick a retirement date. And by that, I mean, you know, regardless of the amount that they've saved, regardless of the amount of planning that they've done, uh, I will oftentimes hear things like, I've worked for my employer for 35 years, uh, I'm going to retire. Well, while I understand the thought process there, and 35 years or 40 years is a long time, make sure you actually do the math before you pull the trigger, because finding another job, if you're wrong, is probably going to be harder than keeping the one that you currently have. So first things first, go back to the basics. Um, do the basic math of how am I going to be able to retire? How much am I getting from social security? Do I have a pension? What resources do I have for retirement? Do I have an emergency fund? And really the first thing would be, you know, in, in financial planning, you always address everything kind of in order. First thing is protection. Uh, if I do in fact retire and then something happens to me, uh, is my family taken care of? Do I have the appropriate amount of life insurance, emergency fund, et cetera? Number two, do I have resources significant enough to provide a retirement income, and what are some things that can get in the way? Now, Diane, I'm telling you all this stuff, but this is obviously everything we do when we do the blueprint here in our office. But, you know, am I invested appropriately? What does taxes look like, et cetera? So you're basically going through an entire financial plan. But let's say that you haven't retired yet, and you're trying to figure out if what you would need to do once you come up with those answers. So you've come up with a financial plan and you've said, I need to have this amount of money at the end of this year to be able to retire on. I have, you know, I'm, I'm very good in the 401k department, but I don't have an emergency fund or I have a great emergency fund. I'm a little light in the 401k uh, retirement department. Come up with realistic goals. What does that look like for you over the next 12 months or next six months or whatever it's going to take you to get to retirement? And what do I need to do to get there? And by realistic, I mean, uh, you can't say I'm going to retire this year and I'm going to save more than I make. Obviously, this has to be realistic. You're not going to change on a dime. But then let's say that you've been forced out of the workplace in 2021 and you're debating between retiring and getting another job. Again, be realistic. What does that look like? But I think at the end of the day, Diane, you know, if, if retirement is on your list this year amidst everything that's been crazy this year, now is a better time than ever to meet with our office and find out are you on track? What are things we need to change? We've, got, we've had a heck of a market over the last 10, 11 years, longest one in the history of the, US, the United States. We had extreme volatility with COVID. We've had stimulus packages. And the list of things that happened last year is mind-blowing, meaning uh, you know, the Fed lowered interest rates uh, to basically zero, which is the first time that's happened since the Great Depression. The 10-year Treasury dropped below 1% for the first time in our U.S. history, and then again below a half percent, which is our first time in U.S. history. The market had the biggest drop in the shortest period of time in, this, in the United States' history during COVID. Then it rambled back to finish up up 18%, and six stocks generated 14 of that. I mean, it's been a crazy couple, a crazy 12 months. If retirement is right around the corner for you, let's make sure that we are protected against anything that could happen moving forward and that you're in the right spots because there's no doubt that you could be really askew after what happened last year. So let's be realistic, but let's do the planning. Call our offices you know, as soon as you can, and let's make sure that you're on track.
The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So in a perfect world, you obviously welcome people who are getting ready or wanting to retire this year. But what's your perfect time frame? Five years out of retirement that you'd like people to contact you? Yeah, I think you can't be too soon uh, first. I mean, definitely within five years of retirement, you should be working with somebody because you can make a significant impact over that five-year window to retirement. And obviously, the, the sooner you get to retirement, the less time we have to work with and the less uh, dramatic impact we can make. But uh, there's a lot of debate here, Diane. Some people will say 10 years, five years. I, I think at the end of the day, it's you need to be doing the proactive things to reach retirement as soon as possible. So if you're you know, 40 years old and at that stage of your career where you want to make sure that you're doing the right things, now's the perfect time for you. If you're 50 years old, a little late to the dance, but you you know that you need to make sure things are on track, perfect time. Uh, if you're 60 and you're planning on retiring at 62, well, then obviously your timetable needs to be very, very urgent to get that done. But I think what you said, Diane, five years is probably a very reasonable time frame that you should really start putting pen to paper and really honing in. Uh, your plan as it gets closer and closer over the next few years. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus blueprint process that Josh was mentioning, the Aptus office number is 614-364-7300. You can call Josh at 614-364-7300. Also join him as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m., on 98.9 The Answer. The podcast is at aptuswealth.com. We talk about more about your retirement when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, let's talk about Roth IRA conversions. Are are they the right move for for everyone across the board? The short answer is no. And, and it sounds kind of counterintuitive for me to say that because, again, let's cover what a Roth IRA is, and it sounds like the best thing ever created. And I would say for the long-term investor, it is the single best line in the tax code that exists for retirement investing. So I would agree that it is the best thing ever, but it does not mean that everybody should go to one. So Roth IRA works like this. You put in after-tax dollars. All those dollars grow tax-deferred, and every nickel you pull out of them is tax-free to both you and your beneficiaries. This is different than a traditional IRA or 401k or 403b in that every dollar you put into those goes in pre-tax. You get a benefit on your paycheck today. The money grows tax-deferred, but every dollar you pull out of them becomes taxable or at least gets thrown into your tax calculation at the end of the year. So a Roth conversion is taking those pre-tax dollars, 
paying the taxes on them today, effectively cleansing them from taxes forever, because every dollar that is gained on those monies moving forward is in fact going to be tax-free to you and your beneficiaries. So the theory behind a Roth IRA is taking pre-tax dollars and converting them to after-tax dollars for eternity. And very often we hear, you know, uh, Roth IRA conversions are the smartest idea. Uh, you should do them at all costs, et cetera, et cetera. And I agree with that uh, blanket statement. The problem is this. If you look at your tax bracket, and let's say that you're paying 12% in taxes currently, you're in the 12% federal bracket, and you have, let's say, $10,000 left in that 12% bracket before you hop to the 22% bracket, at least as it exists today. If you never, if you look at your minimum required distributions and you look at what your income trajectory is going to look like for the rest of your life, you may never hop out of that 12 or let's say they raise taxes at the federal level, maybe 15%. You're never going to hop out of that 15% bracket. However, you could do a Roth conversion with, you know, $500,000 and not pay just 22, but then hop to the next bracket of 24 and the next bracket of 32. It doesn't make much sense to pay 30% in taxes today to save 12 to 15% in taxes tomorrow. Now, that does not mean that you should not investigate doing Roth conversions and seeing what number is right for you. Because another example would be, let's say that you have $50,000 remaining in the 12% bracket that you're not using. By all means, do a $50,000 Roth conversion, and then you will never pay taxes on that money for the rest of time, and you only paid 12% today, which is by any metric, a very good tax rate. So I think, you know, the takeaway here, Diane, is Roth IRA conversions make a tremendous amount of sense. To some capacity or some dollar amount, they usually make sense for almost everybody. However, you don't want to do it at the risk of increasing taxes on yourself today. And you also don't want to do it on increasing other things that you might not be thinking about. Let me give you just one example, Diane. Everybody who's retired at age 65 has to sign up for Medicare. Medicare is basically $150 a month. It's 100, high 140s. Uh, if you're below the income threshold to get out of the first category. So there's five levels of what people pay for Medicare. Level number one is $170,000 for a married couple. As long as you make under $170,000 a year, no one in your family, so husband nor wife, is going to pay more than that roughly $150 a month for Medicare. However, if you jump out of that category, your Medicare costs start going up. And if you're above the $500,000 level approximately, your Medicare can cost almost $500 a month for you and your spouse. So let's say you did a Roth conversion with $400,000. Not only could you potentially pay more money in taxes, but it could cost you and your spouse upwards of $600 a month extra in Medicare costs for that year as well. Well, that's an extra $7,200 in taxes. So you have to be very careful to not just get the benefit of the federal tax bracket, but don't throw yourself in other categories that you would have otherwise stayed away from. Is my Social Security becoming taxable now, et cetera? So the list goes on, and you just want to make sure that you're very careful and you take everything into account so you don't do a Roth conversion to the detriment of yourself rather than to the benefit. And these are things, Diane, of course, uh, as you always say, that we do in our office with every single client that we, that we meet with. We want to make sure that we're taking advantage of all the possibilities that we can, 
but not at the detriment. Uh, we don't want to look at things unilaterally. We don't want to say, well, you benefit so great over here and then ignore the fact that we might get punished in two or three other ways uh, over there. So Roths make a lot of sense, but not for everybody. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, let's talk about free money for people or free retirement money that is actually available to them. Let's 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 tell the listeners about that. The name of the game is 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 tax savings. Uh, that's the name of the game when you're working, but it's definitely the name of the game when you're retired as well. Um, you know, when you're working, your objective is effectively to make as much money as you possibly can, save as much money as you possibly can. And the unfortunately for most people in the W two category, meaning you work for somebody, there's not a whole lot of things you can do to dramatically affect your tax rate. Now, in retirement, that's a lot different. We can control how and when we take a lot of our income. So we do have the ability to really manipulate um, the sources of our income and, in turn, our taxable income uh, when we retire. So I don't want to dodge that in that when you're retired, we have the ability to save money and taxes a lot more effectively many times than when we're working. And taxes saved is the same in my book as income earned. But let's go back to when you're working. Every dollar you put in your 401k, for example, is a tax savings. I put a dollar into my 401k. Let's say that I'm in the 22% bracket. I only actually feel 78 cents coming out of my paycheck, but I'm getting credit for the full dollar. And then that dollar grows on a tax-deferred basis. So not only did I get to save a dollar when I only cost me 78 cents, but then that dollar is earning interest that extra 22 cents is earning interest on top of itself. So a lot of people you'll hear kind of as a buzzword, they'll say it's not just compounding, it's double compounding because I'm compounding on top of my, my tax dollars that I would have otherwise paid. There's some additional incentives out there. Uh, one is the saver's credit. Now, this won't apply to everybody, Diane, but if it does apply to you, it can be hugely advantageous. And the saver's credit is essentially this. Remember I used the 22% example, so you get to save 22%. And tax, if you're in the 22% bracket, every dollar you save into, let's say, an IRA saves you 22 cents. If you're in a lower income category, the government wants you to save and facilitate your retirement on your own. So they will actually increase that amount depending upon your income. And that credit can go all the way up to 50%. So what that would mean is if you save $2,000, you actually get credit for 1000 of it. So it's a free $1,000 that the government gives you that you would have otherwise uh, not received. So by all means, if you can save the money, you can get a lot of extra money essentially for free. Now, again, that that does not mean that if you don't qualify for that, because that is for lower income categories, if you don't qualify for it, it doesn't mean you can't get free money. Free money is still very readily available in the form of tax savings by contributing to your 401k or an IRA, etc. So try and kick the can on taxes as much as you can and get tax savings through doing deferred taxed investments like all of the alphabet soup, the 401k, IRA, 403b, et cetera. And that's uh, as close as you're going to get from the federal government, I believe, to quote unquote free money, Diane. But just to add, with the Roth IRA, you don't get that tax credit. You do not, no. But what you do get is you get no taxes on that money from now until the end of time. So where Roths really, really make sense, the younger you are, by all means, do a Roth as much as you can. 
when you first get out of college or out of high school and you go into the workforce, as much as you possibly can, save into a Roth IRA. And and this is a question that, you know, when you've been in the business a long time, you kind of take some things for granted sometimes. A big question that I get all the time that is always shocking to me is, well, is a Roth IRA a good investment? A Roth IRA is just a tax code. A 401k is just a tax code, meaning that that's the umbrella that your investment goes into that determines how you pay taxes on it. So a Roth IRA in and of itself is not an investment. It is just a determinant of how you're going to pay taxes on that investment. So within a Roth IRA, you can invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, real estate, gold, you name it. You can invest in it inside of a Roth or an IRA. It's just how the taxes are handled. So don't get, uh, don't get too wrapped up in you know, what the actual investment is. This is just the tax code. So a Roth IRA is the single best tax code for young people. And so they can forego saving on the taxes with the traditional IRA as you're older and obviously making a little bit more money or hopefully um, then you want, yeah. it's more advantageous to take the tax credit for a traditional IRA. It is. And the reason for that, um, and, and there's some additional math to be done here. So I am simplifying a little bit and that it depends on what tax bracket you're in, et cetera. But if you think about it this way, if I'm, you know, that rule of 72, which we talk about all the time, which means, you know, if you take the interest rate that you plan on receiving and divide 72 by that number, it tells you how long it takes to double your money. So let's assume that you get a 7.2% rate of return. Your money's doubling every 10 years. The younger you are, the more gains you're going to have in your account that are tax-free. So if you're 20, you know, it's conceivable that you'll have 50 years worth of gains in your account. Well, if I put in $1,000, my money is going to double five times. That's 2,000, 4,000, 8,000, 16, 32,000. So you're getting $35,000 per thousand tax-free. The closer and closer we get to retirement, the less those gains, uh, the less significant those gains will be because of just pure time. So the younger you are, the more benefit you'll see out of a Roth. It does not mean that Roths don't make sense for a lot of people. It just means that the benefit gets more dramatic the younger you are. Love it. And you actually have tax experts that you work with to help people make the best decisions for themselves. All the time. Yeah, and I think that's very important. I remember when I first started this business um, and I, we actually owned a tax practice, uh, we grew so quickly that I wanted to focus more on just purely financial planning. So we we offshot that. But um, people's biggest questions were, how do I benefit uh, in saving taxes? And they got the same answer every time from their financial advisor. Well, we don't do taxes. Go talk to your, to your tax accountant. They go to their tax accountant and say, well, how do I invest to better uh, improve my situation from taxes? And they'd say, well, I don't do investments. Go talk to your financial person. And you're stuck kind of holding the bag, figuring out what am I supposed to do? And then it's up to the client to determine the best path, which is silly. Uh, so we combined all those things together under one roof. Now, our philosophy and the way we do planning is still very much the same today. The only difference is we work with a lot of local professionals in different capacities from CPAs to just standalone tax professionals all the way up to tax attorneys to make sure that we get the right person for the job that I communicate with all the time, have a great working relationship with, kind of speak the same language, and we can get the job done for the client in the most efficient way possible. The Aptus office number is 614-364-7300. You can call Josh at 614-364-7300. 
1-800-273-0000. Also join him as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. The podcast is at aptuswealth.com. We talk about more about your retirement when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what are some things outside of saving more and making more money that people can do to get ready for retirement? Well, we just talked about one, and that is Roth conversions. I think there's there's um, a lot of things that you can do from a tax perspective to improve your situation, meaning you can make subtle adjustments that will have a profound effect in the long run because $100 a month over a really long period of time is, is certainly a lot of money. So a couple of things that you can do as you're looking at your financial plan is, should I be contributing to my 401k on a pre-tax basis, or should I be doing post-tax Roth, uh, Roth 401k contributions. And on top of that, should I be looking at doing Roth conversions altogether? Should I be saving to other vehicles uh, from a different tax perspective? So one always is taxes. The other one that we'll see if it's an opportunity this year, but inevitably it will be an opportunity. You know, the stock market, what goes up must come down. Uh, the market does not always go up. Uh, it, we have not had a significant correction that lasts for any meaningful period of time in a really long time. So it's very conceivable that over the next several years, we will have a significant drop in the stock market. And invariably, as I say this, everybody who's listening is going to go, that makes total sense. But while it's happening, it's very, very difficult to do. And that is when the stock market goes down, actually getting more aggressive versus getting safer. And that's a very, very difficult thing to do, Diana. You know, when the market's going very, very well, everybody wants to get in the market because they don't want to miss out on a good thing. Right. And when the market's doing really, really poorly, everybody wants to get out of the market because they feel like they can't lose all their money. When in reality, we should be thinking almost vice versa. So Everything's one thing on sale do, and they're getting these stocks at a deal. Absolutely. So use the dips as a buying opportunity. And that does not necessarily mean, I know your question was, Rather than saving more money, what can people do? That doesn't mean you're necessarily saving more money. You're reallocating based upon the market. And that does not mean that you should be day trading. It does not mean you should be trying to time the market. What it means is if you look at the market and let's say you were, you know, 50-50 between stocks and bonds, just for an easy example, and the market's down 40%, it might be time to go 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds versus keep 50-50, at least on the rebound. Does it have the ability to go down more than the 40% and go down 50? Absolutely. But it's not going to stay down forever, at least historically speaking. So buying on the dips is a way that you can absolutely make an improvement to your scenario. The other thing that you can do if you're already retired, uh, and this goes back to taxes, is evaluating and coming up with a strategy for your withdrawals. Um, I, I know earlier today I mentioned that oftentimes people will plan their retirement based upon um, kind of arbitrary circumstances. Well, I've worked for a really long time, I'm going to retire. Well, the same thing is true for withdrawals. And oftentimes people will plan where they take their money from very arbitrarily. You know, I have three accounts. I'm going to start with this one until it runs out, and then I'm going to go to this one, then go to this one. 
while I understand the ideology of that kind of bucketed thought process, well, I have this bucket, this bucket, and this bucket, that might make no sense whatsoever from a tax perspective. You might be paying far more in taxes than you need to based upon the tax qualification of the money that you're pulling from. So oftentimes, it makes more sense to pull a little bit from this account, a little bit from this account, a little bit from this account, purely based upon taxes. And that isn't saving more money. That isn't even changing your withdrawals. It's simply figuring out a way to put more money in your pocket off of the same amount of withdrawal, just using dis- different ca- tax qualification. So there's three things, Roth IRA conversions, minimizing taxes on your withdrawals, and then buying on the dips can make a big, big difference in the long run. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick. 2020 was a harsh reminder, Josh, that we need to save more money for emergencies. Let's talk about that. Um, are you finding people now are getting that message or do they, do they really need to go overboard with that? How much do we really need in emergency savings? Well, one, as much as I, I would like to say it's not true, we, and maybe this is a defense mechanism, but we as people just have really short memories. So, you know, we forgot all about, even though it was only 10, 11, 12 years ago, 2009 seems to have never existed. You know, the, the housing crisis, stock market pulled back by almost 50%. If you look peak to trough, it was almost 52%. You know, and during that time, you know, there was no bottom. People were talking about how this is the next Armageddon and we're never going to come back. Well, similarly now, uh, we have run up quite dramatically from there. And nobody wants to talk about the fact that the market could pull back. And the same thing happened in 2001, 2002. The same thing happened before that. The same thing happened before that. So I am concerned that times have been so good that we'll forget that they're not always this good. A lot of things have happened over the last 12 months. I've addressed a lot of them already today. But uh, you know, certainly a lot of people have been displaced. We've taken on trillions and trillions of dollars of stimulus packages. Um, those people who are getting displaced from their jobs, it's taking a long time to find a new job because there's so many people looking for jobs. Certain industries have been affected more than others. Certain industries might never come back. You know, one being, uh, I was driving past a movie theater today and thought, I wonder if they'll ever be able to rebound. That's a lot of jobs that just left the workplace. So, uh, you know, emergency funds are just that, you know, break glass in case of an emergency. General rule of thumb is three to six months. And, you know, while that may be enough for some, it might be not even close to enough for others. And I know emergency funds aren't sexy and, uh, you know, they're not anything you're going to talk, talk about at a cocktail hour. I mean, nobody, nobody's talking about their 0.001% uh, savings account emergency fund with any level of excitement. You want to talk about those, uh, you know, exciting new ventures that you're taking on or, you know, Tesla or Apple, but... At the end of the day, your emergency fund is what allows you to make those other investments because those other investments require time and have volatility. And if you cannot weather the storm of time and volatility, you have no business being there to begin with. You know, Warren Buffett very clearly says, never put anything in the stock market that you cannot afford to lose. And I think that's a dramatic representation. Nobody's putting money in the stock market with the intention of losing all of it. And that's why you're doing analysis and buying good companies. But really what I think he's saying there is make sure that you can weather quite a bit of storms because there will be volatility. There will be storms. No question about it. So you better have the financial wherewithal to weather those storms. And that is provided through an emergency fund. Now insert things like COVID, job losses, um, government uh, shutdowns. So 
things beyond your ability to perform in your workplace can in fact uh, eliminate your job. So, you know, I think that general rule of thumb, cover your essential expenses for three to six months. What are essential expenses? You know, your mortgage and or rent, car payments, food, house, you know, household essential type stuff, medications, utilities, you know, the drill. But um, also know this, if you're out of work, you're not going to just stare at the wall and COVID has prevented you from doing a lot of things. And here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, you have gray, gray weather and, and, you know, snow right now, you're not going to just not leave the house. So you might want to pad that a little bit for, you know, your Netflix uh, subscription or something to watch on television to keep you busy. But in the state of the economy, I think it's probably not a bad idea to maybe pad that by a couple of months, just in case it will buy you peace of mind. You know, worst case scenario, you have extra cash, which is never a bad thing. So while the conventional wisdom, Diane, has been three to six months, I say tilt that up to six to maybe even nine months worth of padding. And that's going to take some time to build, of course. But uh, you can always revisit that down the line, save money later uh, to other things. But let's just go cash. Build up a bunch of cash right now. Preserve your situation for you and your family. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus blueprint process that Josh was mentioning, the Aptus office number is 614-364-7300. You can call Josh at 614-364-7300. Also join him as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. The podcast is at aptuswealth.com. You have that padded so for nine months, but I mean, even 12, 12 wouldn't hurt. But where's the best way to park that? Because there's no high interest rates anywhere. Do you suggest a money market fund or just a plain bank account? Where where is the best places to put that emergency fund? You know, I'm recommending that people ladder it a little bit. It's very important to coincide what investments you put money in for the amount of time that it would require. So I think the answer is a little bit of all of the above. Let me give you an example. Your first three to six months, um, you're going to want to make sure that that is very easily and readily available that there's no chance for any volatility or fluctuation amongst it. Um, This is literally just like cash in the bank. You know, the downside of that cash in the bank is it's not earning anything really uh, to speak of today. So that three months, yeah, it might just be in a savings account and or money market uh, at your bank. Not going to earn a lot, but very readily available. The next three to six months, you know, might be in something like a very ultra short-term bond fund or even a TIPS fund. And TIPS, for those of you who don't know, stands for Treasury Inflation Protected Security. It's a specialized type of bond that tries to mimic inflation. Now, inflation is an interesting conversation because most people would agree that if you keep printing money, inflation at some time will occur. But the flip side of that is everybody's saying inflation doesn't seem to be occurring. So what's up with that, right? It takes time for inflation to hit the end consumer. So if the government prints money, it first hits uh, things like supply chain. The supply chain's got to go all the way down and dwindle all the way down until it gets to the consumer. And if you've tried to you know, build anything or go to Home Depot recently, you're starting to see that obviously that, that is starting to affect the consumer and lumber prices. Well, that will continue to affect the consumer uh, over and over and over again through different areas of their life as we continue to print money. Tips are a good uh, combatant to that. Because as inflation rises, you actually earn money within that particular investment. It is completely liquid. It is very low cost. Um, It is very ultra short duration. So you limit your interest rate risk quite a bit. And I'm certainly not recommending that everybody goes out and buys a tips fund. But that would be an example uh, 
uh, of something that you could do that might bolster your return a little bit more than a savings account. But what you want to do effectively is ladder out your risk and your duration. So you might have three months in a money market. You might have three months in a really short-term bond fund, you know, something that's going to get you, and by ultra-short-term, I'm talking about still probably less than 1% earnings, but a heck of a lot better than your savings account. And then you might step up the next three months if you're going for a nine-month emergency fund with maybe something like a TIPS fund, which TIPS funds last year did really, really well as the government was printing money. So you kind of spread the risk out, spread out durations, but you increase your rate of return. And the, the hope there would be, you know, let's get... Uh, three, four, five times the rate of a, a traditional savings account by spreading these assets around, but still very much available for an emergency. Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. And you can hear more of Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. Josh joins Bruce Hooley each week to chat about retirement. You can hear that conversation as well at aptuswealth.com. When we come back, how you can make more income with these low interest rates. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614 364 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, with interest rates so low, I know we talked about this a little bit, but what are some ways investors are getting creative to build a portfolio that will will pay on income or pay an income? This is going to be a big challenge, I think, over the over the next uh, decade, and that is it's not a favorable environment for bonds, and that's been the conventional wisdom uh, for generating income and providing stability in a portfolio. And for those of you who are you know don't know what I'm talking about, a bond is effectively just a, a company borrowing money from people to fund different projects, operations, et cetera. So a company like General Motors or uh, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, will issue bonds rather than going to a bank. And that bond is their promise to you. You give us $10,000, we will pay you X percentage over the next 10 years or whatever the duration is. And then at the end of the 10 years, we'll give you your money back. So it's like a balloon payment uh, loan. And there's a lot of reasons why companies do this, but for the most part, it's so they don't have to go to the bank. And what those, essentially those promissory notes do for the investor is provide a consistent income stream and level out their portfolio of stocks because it doesn't have near the volatility of stocks. The downside is most people don't own individual bonds. They own a bond fund. So a bond fund is a bunch of these promissory notes, and then you own a fractional ownership in that mutual fund. Well, as interest rates go up, if you have a bond that, let's say, is a 10-year bond, and you bought one that's paying 3% interest, and the new bonds that are being issued by the same company are paying 4% interest, and you want to get out of that bond early, nobody's going to pay you what you originally paid for the 3% bond when they can get a 4% bond. 
So your bond price effectively goes down. So when interest rates rise, it is not a favorable environment for bonds. Now, when you own a bond fund, you're not in control of that game. So as people are coming and going out in and out of the bond, the bond uh, mutual fund only has two choices. Do we hold a bunch of cash or limited maturity bonds, essentially, or do we have to sell bonds that are not in our favor to be able to cash these people out? And the fear is if interest rates climb quickly, they won't have the time to play it smart and they'll have to take quite a beating. And bonds don't always go up. Uh, bond funds don't always go up. They've gone down. We've seen it many, many times. So when you're in an interest rate environment that's very, very low, not only the bonds that you buy, uh, not only they're not paying you a lot today, there's a possibility that they're going to be even worse tomorrow. So the income generation over the next decade while limiting volatility in your portfolio is going to be very challenging. And there's a bunch of different kind of conventional ways to do that. You could you know, buy real estate and, and get rents. The problem with that is you better know what you're buying and uh, you, know, you better know how you're going to handle the property management side of things. Um, the other one, though, that I think is more attractive is dividend-paying stocks. Dividend-paying stocks are different than growth stocks, let's say. So Tesla would be an example of a growth stock. Growth stocks make money, but then they reinvest all that money into new cool ideas. Dividend stocks are different. Dividend stocks are like uh, Johnson & Johnson, or I keep on using that example, let's say a Home Depot. They make uh, quite a bit of money. They reinvest some of it, of course, but there's still a surplus left at the end of the year from the money that they made. And they pass that on to you, the consumer, as a dividend. So you actually earn income. Dividend stocks today, on average, are making about 4% a year. So 4% is obviously a heck of a lot better than bond rates and a heck of a lot better than the savings rate at your uh, bank. Now, you get that dividend without selling the stock. So you still very much own the stock. Now, dividend stocks kind of act differently than growth stocks, and they seem, there seems to be an ebb and flow over time. While we've seen an extreme run-up in growth stocks over the last 5 to 10 years, dividend stocks have not fared nearly as well. However, dividend stocks historically have actually beat growth stocks if you look back over the last 50, 60, 70 years. So the theory there is that value stocks are very much valued uh, where they should be. Those dividend stocks are at better valuations, whereas growth stocks have kind of gotten out of whack. So buying dividend stocks, living off of the dividend income, and hopefully getting upside appreciation would be one way but you still end up with the volatility of the stock market. There's no avoiding that. You're making a calculated risk, but it's still very much in the stock market. So another way that you could achieve income in a very safe and predictable way would be through annuities. And annuities uh, offer, a, there's a, a bunch of different types of annuities, but at the end of the day, annuities offer, uh, at least fixed annuities and fixed index annuities and immediate annuities offer guaranteed income streams. They offer guaranteed interest rates. They offer protection against market volatility, um, and they can and almost always provide a higher rate of interest than what you would find at a CD at a bank. So I think two very reasonable uh, options to include in your portfolio, these obviously wouldn't be the only two options in your portfolio, but two very reasonable predictions or options to use would be uh, fixed annuities, fixed index annuities, and dividend-paying stocks to generate income. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Aptus at 614-364-7300.
That's 614-364-7300. Josh, there are a lot of great options for building a portfolio. Are there any general or universal rules of thumb for people to follow when doing that? Well, there's a lot of them. But uh, first, before I get into them, uh, let's say that they are, in fact, just rules of thumb. So don't base your whole life around this, but these are some good general gauges to kind of play off of to see where you stack up, if you want to look at it that way. One is, um, and this has been changed a little bit over the years, but it was called the, 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 the rule of 100. And the rule of 100 essentially says that you take 100 minus your age, and that tells you how much you should have in stocks. Or you could flip it the other way and say, whatever your age is, is the percentage you should have not in stocks. So if you're 30 years old, you should have 70% of your money in stocks and 30% in other safer investments. And then as you get older, less time, volatility becomes more important. You know, let's say you're 70, you should only have 30% of your money in stocks. Now, with interest rates being where they are, and with people being as, as heavily reliant on 401ks, et cetera, for their retirement income, there has been some argument, Diane, as to whether or not we should take that number to 120. So that same 70-year-old example would be, you know, they should have 50% of their money in stocks and 50% of their money in bonds. But a good gauge, uh, I think when you're younger, you can be a little bit more aggressive than that. Um, and when you're older, depending upon your situation, you can potentially be a little more aggressive than that. But it all depends on your individual situation. And uh, people oftentimes will say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're worth $30 million and only living on $50,000 a year, you can clearly afford to be as aggressive as you want to be because it, doesn't, it, it just doesn't matter. But if you're living on $50,000 a year and the numbers are very tight, well, then you have to start playing the rules uh, much more uh, closely, more specifically. So uh, that's a good gauge. You know, if you're, if you're 65 years old and you're planning on retiring next year and you have 100% of your money in stocks, maybe you should uh, consider uh, spreading that around just a little bit and maybe uh, considering the rule of 100 or 120. Another one, you know, kind of a general rule of thumb is the 4% rule. And there's, again, some debate over this. Uh, the American College has done a lot of research on this. The New York Life Institute for Retirement Income has done a lot of research on this. Um, but ultimately what they've said is if you stick to a 4% withdrawal rate, meaning no matter how much money you have in savings, as long as you stick to a 4% withdrawal rate, you'll never run out of money and you can adjust for inflation over time. Now, the, there is some argument there. What they did was determine what does that allocation have to look like? And interestingly, Diane, what they found was if you have a 60% stock portfolio or a 40% stock portfolio or anywhere in the middle, and then the vice versa in bonds, so let's just say 50-50, then that ratio seems to work in all scenarios over time. However, if you get a little bit of skew, and this kind of references back to that rule of 100 that we were talking about, if let's say you have 20% in bonds and 80% in stocks, the volatility risk that you're taking kind of blows the 4% rule out of the water. It doesn't work anymore. Conversely, if you have far too much money in bonds and not enough in stocks, you can't accommodate for the inflation piece of the puzzle. So you have to really play within your, your goalposts effectively, or this doesn't work. And there's a couple other rules that kind of go along with that. You know, you can pull out 4.5% if you make other adjustments, or it might have to be less than that. But at the end of the day, if you look at your portfolio and you're retired, and you've been living on 6% per year, know that while that might have been working for you up to this point, it is not a uh, widely considered safe strategy uh, for the long run, depending upon your age. 
again, another, you know, age old philosophy, and this goes along with two things that I've talked about already, and that is over time, you should reduce your risk. So uh, I only bring that up because it's a simpler way of saying that when you're younger, you can be more risky. And when you get older, you can't have nearly as much risk or volatility in your portfolio. So as time goes on, you start to ladder back your risk. And this can be very easily accomplished within your 401k or by adjusting things. You know, on our end, we do a little bit different, uh, more actively managed portfolios where we adjust them over time based upon not just your age, but market conditions. But let's say you're in your 401k, you've probably noticed that there's things like the 2040 fund or the 2050 fund or the 2030 fund. And that, you know, that number is when you anticipate retiring. Effectively, what they're doing inside of those portfolios is the closer and closer you get to that date, they're backing down your risk. So they're doing what these rules are telling you to do to begin with, that rule of 100 or 120. And then, you know, again, we've talked about some other ones, and that is an emergency fund, you know, general rule of thumb, three to six months. But post-COVID, I think you might want to stretch that out a little bit. Uh, general rule of thumb was just put that money in a money market or a savings account. Well, that doesn't seem to work because interest rates are so, so low. So maybe spreading that around. But again, that general rule of thumb is three to six months in an emergency fund before you start doing a lot of long-term investing. Protect what could happen tomorrow first before you start planning for what could happen 30, 40 years from now. Then, and this goes right in, in line with what I just said on the, the, the emergency fund is try and match the duration of your assets to the liabilities. Pension funds do this all the time, but if, it sounds complicated. This is what it means. If your goal isn't for 30 years, then absolutely you can be in equities in the stock market. But if your goal is in three months, being in the stock market would be the worst idea ever. It's just, it, you don't, you're not giving yourself enough time uh, to manage for volatility and risk. So make sure you have, we talk a, a lot on this show about, you know, emergency fund and retirement. And we tend not to talk about all the stuff in the middle. But there's things that happen in the middle. What if you're saving for a house? What if you're saving for a vacation or a vacation home or a, a cool car or whatever you're into? You got to make sure that you match the time frame that you're saving to, to the investments that you're saving for. So if you're saving for three years out, you know, the stock market might not be the best place to put that. But if it's 30 years out, different story. So I think all of these point towards matching duration, volatility, and protecting what's most important to you tomorrow first before you start shooting at those, long, those longer-range targets. The number to call for Josh is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. Just want to remind you, Mondays at 6 p.m., join Josh as he talks to Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. And you can hear that conversation, if you miss it, at uh, aptuswealth.com, Josh's website. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Josh. We will be here next week as well, and we will talk to you then. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.